This episode of Echoes in the Bones is brought to you by the Institute of Cultural Policy and Innovation, ICPI. ICPI, providing services in business development and coaching. ICPI, leaders in online training in event planning and intellectual property. Visit our website today at www.icpi-ja.com. On this episode of Echoes in the Bones, we speak to Hugh Dows, lecturer and musical director of Nexus. Hugh Dows, how are you? The great Dennis Howard. I'm great, man. I'm giving thanks. How you do? I'm great. Tell us about Hugh Dows. Hugh Dows is a mix of country boy and town boy. I was born in Kingston um, and grew up for a while in Kingston until... When I was around four, my father decided to take a farm in the hills of St. Catherine. So um, I went to a couple of schools. We got to North School, by the way, <laughs> like a good bad picnic. Mm-hmm. But I went to the school that I think made a difference in my life was Cassava River Primary School. It's a Roman Catholic school um, run by the, con- the um, Franciscan Missionary Sisters, and I want to bless up Sister Mariana, who is, who is in her 90s now, who was on principal then. And um, having gone to that school, the school woke me up to something that was already implanted in me by my parents, because my father was a civil engineer um, who was a singer, and my mother was a music teacher, um, a teacher who specialized in music. Um, free from those days <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and the school stirred up in me how the arts could be used to wake up a child who is not interested in school because I used to go to school I used to do well at school but um, I can't even remember doing well because school was just a blur until I went to St. Um, to um, Cassava River Primary where we entered festivals a very small school you know 20 yard picnic in each class and only one class per grade. So very small school, um, um, but, but, but high quality education. It was like a private school education in the hills of St. Catherine. And, um, and, and then that started to connect by doing culture, by doing music, by doing folk farms. We did a wake at Cassava River that won a gold at festival. We, um, we had a drama club and we were dealing with issues like enslavement and oppression and those things while we were before um, younger than 10 years old. So I think that started waking up a consciousness in me that there are, there, that I belong to an important space named Jamaica, which I'd already seen and known from my mother who did work with things like Carrie Festa and so on. So I was her handbag to these things. But now in me, the, the drawing out or the educare um, the, that education is supposed to do started happening in an earnest way at Cassava River and was heightened as a, I did a year at Oberlin but when I went to St. Catherine High School man, gosh that school, God bless that school um, it, it, it had a sense that same sense that I saw at Cassava River was, was expanded at St. Catherine High there was a vice principal and excellent geography geography teacher named Mr. Ken Neal, who, who, by the way, is important to KC history too, because he and Douglas Forrest together started the, the basketball uh, movement oh. in Jamaica and the school's league. Um, but he was also a master, choir master, mm-hmm. you know, and composer, composer of folk songs and all that. And to us, it was, 
you know, your children, you say, oh, our oh, teacher wrote folk songs. And we figure that every school has a teacher who wrote some folk songs. So it's a normal thing. And, <laughs> until in, uh, and then we'd go to festival again and get a lot of exposure and, and, and thing through that. You got a sense of the civic, you got a sense of the national, and you got a sense of, of um, the, the importance of who you are, where you are, you know? Um, Sister Mary Pascal Figueroa, set that in a in a particular way when she decided to take boys into that school and you know um she has she has had many significant graduates from that and and then on the journey you know education goes to St. George's College where the, the, the rigor of debating you know the cut and thrust of being involved in that kind of thing key club um having been coached in debating by both Ronnie Twaits and Trevor Monroe, <laughs> who were themselves former debaters on the same team at George's, was a way in which my mind now started to, to be even further challenged in to how important um, accuracy of thought and constructing truth um, from a position of where you are at, you know, again started to to, to, to be evident to me, um, Michael College, um, magnificent um, mentors and teachers at that great university, um, including R.A. RA Shirley, um, who had a sense of what education needs to be again in Jamaica. At, at Michael, I got a, ch a chance to see the Jamaica project at work. My colleagues were from all over the island and all over the Caribbean, and there was that definite mission when, whenever we were being prepared to teach at the highest level, we were always made aware by people like, like um, Dr. Joyce Chang, Miss Lily Brown, um, and so many other great educators, um, Ms., um, Ms., Ms., Mrs. Reed, that, that our most important calling was to serve the most disadvantaged child in our country. Um, it, was, it was clear, it was an indictment if we did not. It, it, that is how it was presented to us. So this awesome responsibility to advance our national progress was, was seated in the belly of the Michael I went to. Um, so tell us about your creative journey. When did that start in terms of you being a singer, or oh, or whatever that you started? Uh, uh, that started at birth. <laughs> um, going to festival, um, even even um, at home, there are times when my, my, my parents used to entertain guests. Um, on a weekend, you know, there's some big cook-up happening up at the farm and people coming up from Kingston. Um, some of them, I suppose, were... Um, thought by society to be more important than others, but in our home, everybody was important. And so there was always a period of time when the cooking reached a certain level where you hear parents say something like, all right, you go and entertain the guests. And I said, what? <laughs> what do you mean? So, you know, you go and you talk with them and you might, you know, share a little song or something like that. And so that's where performance started, right in the home. My mother was a piano teacher too. So she was my piano teacher. 
Um, and the worst pair of t-shirt to have is your own mother. Yeah. <laughs> her, her demands on me were immense. Yeah. And um, and then through those spaces or schools that I mentioned, uh, I was always involved in the school choir. Um, I'm doing and of course, poetry. festival, as I mentioned. And, and festival is immense for me. The, the JCDC, my mother was an adjudicator for festival. And um, so, these are things that I already esteemed as great things and um, um, going to festival was important, very important um, in setting standards, in seeing the talent that I, I was a part of a serious talent pool because when you go festival and you hear these kids from all over the country, oh, so where did you learn to sing like that? And, and, he say, and, then, and then again, as a child, you still thought it was normal globally. And it is now in hindsight that I look and I say that our talent base is way above anywhere else on earth that I, that I have ever seen. Um, All right. So sometimes yeah. we kind of lament about our dysfunction in terms of looking at a Western perspective to say that you should have performing arts schools or you mm -hmm. should have early development in the artistic kind of situation and then we should have yes. or the, the, the arts and all of that. But we sometimes do that without understanding that we do have a tradition of cultural policy and development and we have a system to develop those, 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 that kind of creativity. We can't boast that we are such creative beings without there being some mechanism to do it. And you mentioned yeah, the festival movement. So yes, that yes. is one of the most critical uh, apparatus that, that, that created this floodgate of, 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 of creativity and expression. So It is. But there's, a but there's a challenge with that, do you know, Dennis? And it comes back to what you were saying about the need for further institutional, um, institutional support and, and a methodology. You see, other countries, when they see that them have oil in the sea on them shores, them don't sit down and say, all right, we're going to wait until the oil come to us. They create mechanisms for the mining of it, for, this, for, the, for the marketing of it, all these other things. Our oil, our gold, is a talent base. So what, you, what is happening to us, you know, is not the deliberate output of our development of, of, of uh, people in the arts, of, of, of the talent that you see at the JCDC. It is incidental. So schools, though, though JCDC has a large um, support that people would think in terms of looking at numbers of entries. If you look at the kind of talent that we have been talking about, there are a lot of schools that don't even have a program in the arts. There are many schools that have no teacher of music. And there are a lot of schools also that don't even prioritize the arts in any way as anything that is a must have in the mm -hmm. curriculum. And it is usually left up to whoever the principal might be um, and the ways in which that person, whatever degree of value they have for that. And some of them, the value is that it is nice to say that we won five gold medals at festival. And then there's no sense of the throughput that this can bring to, if, if you were to 
can, can bring to the child and bring to the national development picture. If you, if you check how many schools do CXE music, for example, it is a very small number. I've been, a, I've been an examiner in the past of CXE music practicals. And it, it's a small number of schools compared to the number mm -hmm. of schools in the country. I don't even think 10% of Jamaican schools do music. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so JCDC has been extremely important because if it wasn't for them and their system of evaluation and of unearthing and showcasing and developing, then I, I shudder to think what our output and our throughput would be. Also, the 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 the, the, the talent base again, the the, un, the undeveloped or underdeveloped talent base. Has an, has an effect on the general musicianship and musicality of, of, of generations. Um, mm -hmm. Noel Dexter talks about that. And Noel is one of my mentors because I, 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 I rehearsed with the university singers, never, never, never did a season because my mother died in that period of, of, of preparation for my first season. And I just stepped away from music for two whole years. That's another story. But Noel Dexter talks about the fact that even how singing is done at school devotions, how are children pitched, who leads the singing, do people understand children's voices, what kinds of songs are sung. And he talks about what used to happen at Halfway Tree Primary School uh, back in the day, where the whole Halfway Tree would have stopped for here. That time primary school must have been near to Bethel Baptist Church, based on what I'm hearing. And the whole Halfway Tree used to stop to hear four parts singing because Grade five and six get the alto, grade um, three and four get the soprano, the, 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 the little ones get the descant or whatever it is. And it's, and it's beautiful and the whole space stops to hear the children sing. So singing was in a corporate way, was also a way in which voices were being conditioned and trained. But, but now a lot of things are done incidentally and and that's not how you hone and, and promote and develop talent if it, is, if it is a strength, if it is one of our superpowers, as some people say. You, you have to train it. You have to do that, you know? So, so, so big up to JCDC, who sometimes get basket for carry water. Well, I think they're used to having a basket to carry water. Always a basket. <laughs> Always. So in other yeah. words, basically what you're saying is that despite the fact that we have some kind of policy in terms of the development from a, a, a governmental level and a leadership level, it is grossly inadequate and it's underfunded, it's underserved, and, and there is not a distinctive policy direction as to where we, what, and what we will do with this, with this cultural output, despite the fact that we punch above our weight internationally based on size of population that we have an a, 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 a overwhelming influence on culture globally in all different spheres not only music but in food in in terms of fashion and in just terms of an identity we still would, are not there i would say that um I, and this is a paradox. I think our policies and our speak have always understood what, what um, 
what this means. I mean, the, the tone of any policy always starts off where we are, with that there is a great advantage and that, you know, it is a strength and that we need to. We've heard it. We've heard it over the last 10 years. I think it has been featuring in at least six or seven budget speeches at the beginning of, of, of the um, of, of, of the the parliament year. Um, so, so I think there is a chasm, however, between what we all know. I mean, sometimes when you tell yourself something and don't act on it for so long, it, people start doubt if it really goes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think there are certain things that we need to face about ourselves. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about a particular administrator or administration or or a personality or person in particular, because we are talking about ourselves now. And I really believe that there is a neurosis at work with some of these things. There is a national psychical neurosis because I can know say, me sit down here so I don't have nothing. I know that I have something that can make immense wealth and that other people are coming in and finding ways how they can pick off some of what we have to make wealth for themselves. And we still are at the point where we don't know how to write up for royalties. Um, where, I mean, not, not, I know a lot of people are doing it now, but I'm saying it's not, it's not second nature. It's not a systemic, um, not systemic, entrenched. not entrenched. It's, mm-hmm. and, then, and it's not being taught everywhere. It's yeah. not, it is not something that everybody talks about as something that is worthy. Here our, here our mother still talks to her child when they say they want to study music or study the arts. Here how the, the, the teachers themselves, like one of the bright young musicians who I've had the pleasure of working with in Nexus um, is, is, is Alden Horton, who is, a, who is the leader of Earth Cry Band. And... Alden tells you that when he was at school, there were people who were telling him, what a bright boy like you doing, going into music. You understand? As if brightness is not (laughs) supposed to be a part of... Is it it part of the the colonial mentality and the colonial legacy? Of course. It is. As an historian, explain that to us. (laughs) All right. So... I'm going to use the simplest route to talk about it. I'm going to personal, um, personify it. So think about the person who is on the plantation. And I know some people when roll them eyes and say, Lord God, we're going back to slavery now. Well, you have, as I say in my talk, how to conquer colonial duppy. You have young duppy and you have old duppy. And this duppy is 400 years old. So he know the way around. If we're to personify it as a duppy. And what has happened is that there is this way in which they speak of taking, stripping us away of our ancestors, away of their culture, of everything that they held that was true uh, to them. When that when the, that seasoning process that is so immortalized in the, the phrase, my name is Toby, that is now a meme, that comes from roots um, when Kunta Kente is being whipped um, and told to recant his own name and take on this Western name. That process, is, is, it wasn't just about names. It was about your very identity. It, it, you had to become someone else or suppress yourself to survive. 
suppress your song, suppress your drumming, suppress all of those things. And when that happens for 400 years, it becomes ingrained in the psyche. And there, there is a thing that Dr. Joy DeGroy talks about. Um, um, post, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trauma disorder that comes from this, this systemic and, and constant negation of self and personhood and identity. What is worse in the Caribbean, in Jamaica in particular, is that the form of enslavement takes away humanity completely. You're not even recognized by law as a person. So that's why Rex Nettleford talks about smartification and a smartitizing process as important for us in this space. It's because there's a point in time where legally we were not anybody. And so I believe that because our emancipation and our passing into our, uh, what we call independence um, has been through ways that never acknowledged a wrong. Listen to how independence is, um, how emancipation is crafted. Or sugar, never profitable no more. Or um, it, it, they had other sources to get bet, better things. Uh, well, if cane sugar wasn't profitable anymore, why are we using brown sugar in our tea till day, today? Why are we not using beet sugar? So the stories that we were now told never acknowledge the fact that is, is we bring about the freedom, you know? Is that 1831 war, do you know? Yeah. Is it because they say, all right, then do it one time. We can't make them do this again because it was more successful if it's just a strike than did a trial. So imagine if then they decide to take over this island and England didn't want to lose that. So there are ways in which there are these lies that are told and that we believe. And because these lies were done by the organ of state, even when we passed over into independence, the, or the mind of the state never changed its mind. We still behave colonial. So that's how the Coral Garden situation could have did happen after independence. Yeah. That's how Rodney could be expelled or declared persona non grata after independence. That's why the young that's why the young girl could be banned from school because of her dreadlocks just recently. Yeah, exactly. The Kensington case, you know, it is ironic I talk about that case. It's ironic that the name of the school is Kensington because the 1831 rebellion started at Kensington Estate in, mm. in St. James. That's yeah. where Sam Sharp was. So, yeah. so I'm uh, uh, where, sorry, where, where, the, where the, the, the um, war started. So, 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 this is, so these are the things. The, the mind of the state is now acting against us, the people who this state is supposed to be for, because the state has not yet passed from a colonial orientation into being for us. And you know what? Show up that embarrassment to us. And I'm saying, when I say embarrassment, you know, nobody take it personally, whichever party they belong to or whoever in government now or not. This is something that we have to deal with. Why it is embarrassing is that the other day when um, young Curry, the new Maroon chief at Akompom, um, was doing an interview on one of the, 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 the entertainment shows. And, and, and notice where he's well, big up to Dion Jackson Miller because that's that's a journalist who she's thorough and takes a story at, at, at the value that it's supposed to be at. But many people only look at this story from, from, from an entertainment value situation. So so one journalist 
is asking about the sovereignty thing as if it is strange for us to be talking about black people in this country having sovereignty within the state. But, but I'd suggest that the reason why we have a problem thinking and hearing about sovereignty is that we have not seen ourselves or acted as a sovereign people yet. Yeah, we're still, we're still beholden to the crown of England. Yeah, yeah, the sovereign for us legally is Elizabeth II, and I am telling you. And a representative, the Governor General. <laughs> yeah, and a re Governor, and she's a nice lady, you know. Yeah. I think, I mean, you hear even Meghan Markle says she loves her. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't think she will lose a night's sleep if Jamaica decides to say, bye, you know, we're going to do our own thing now. Yeah. Thanks. It, it, was, it wasn't good all along, but... It, it was what it was. We're going to do it one thing. We, we don't get there yet. So, so I'm saying that to say that all of the things that we now need to start doing, and, and we have gone off, we have made advances, you know, we're not going knock all of the people who yeah. have their leg of that relay. Because even constitutionally, now at least we have a Bill of Rights in the Constitution, which is still an incomplete Constitution. But at least there have been people who have taken long maybe, but it has, there are people who have done their leg of the work. Michael Manley, whatever your politics is, is one of those who has really, he looked back into history and he saw what had been left undone. Yeah. And, and you know that some people need to talk. Yeah. They have to talk about it. One day history will be able to do it. I mean, when people not going to catch up feelings like how people love to catch into feelings when they hear about Manby. Um, but one of the things that they need to do is talk about the, the truth of the matter that there were persons who even then, even when Manly was doing his work, who were still saying, oh, we should have stayed with England. We should have remained a colony. And so those things, the politics of those things should not surprise us that they're, they, they, that, that when, when we are now tasked with looking at ourselves and becoming ourselves on our own terms, as, as so many people have run out and done all along, Paul Bogle did it, um, um, Mary Seacole did it, um, Marcus Garvey. Huh? Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey is a, is a look here. That movie that they're gonna make in the United States. I called somebody and talked to them about it. They say, how did something happen? I'm not here about not Jamaican actors being involved. Um, and the, the 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 response was that it seems as if America is gonna be telling everybody about Garvey, and it seems as if maybe the narrative is not going to include where he come from and what he must do in here. No. Yeah, it is, it's a, it's a process of what we call deterritorializing, and they're trying it with even Bob Marley right now. Yeah, and that's one thing, you know. That's one thing, but guess what? How much have we owned Garvey? How, how is it that people could do that now? Part of that is maybe because... When you talk about Garvey, you still have people who make up their face and say, oh, yeah. that man there. Yeah. Or you have people say, but I don't know anything about Garvey. And, 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 and so if we don't know our own person's story, somebody going to look and say, but yeah. how many yeah. hear Jamaica say anything about, about you? Basically what I'm hearing from, from your conversation is that Jamaica 
you said we have a neurosis and, and probably Nettleford described it the, the best way and others like Barry Chavant, they talk, Nettleford talk about the blurred focus of, mm -hmm. of Jamaican society and Barry Chavant looked at it and talked about the ambiguity of the Jamaican consciousness where we are one thing over here and then we are another thing over here. We are one of the societies that brought about a, a Rastafari and looking at oppression and bringing consciousness to the world. But we, yet we are still in colo colonial tradition, colonial traditions that allow us to still wear wigs in parliament, still, still have queen council and we still have the privy council. And there is this notion that the British which enslaved us, which marginalized us, which leave us, leave, 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 left us in poverty. And when their country was destroyed by, by Europe, they brought us up as British subjects to help rebuild it. And then mm -hmm. they discarded of us mm -hmm. all of the Windbush, Windrush scandal. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so this is the, the ambiguity and this is the blurred focus of the society. It yes, I always say that we are an Eastern people in a Western space. The, the large majority of Jamaicans, even those who are not from Africa, which is a large majority in terms of ancestry, are from Eastern spaces, even the Lebanese, the Chinese, the Indian, all from Eastern spaces, non-European, non-hegemonic spaces, the global South, most of us. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, and then even to the extent where we have the ancestors who were of the West, of, um, of Europe, because of um, the ways in which it, it, the, the, pure, the pureness of whiteness is, is an issue within the establishment of hegemony. That even those of us who, who, who have their blood running through our veins are, are dis, disinherited and dispossessed. So it is not like we're inheritors of their power and their wealth, even when their blood runs through our veins. And, and, and so I always say, um, and it was um, Dr. Stanley who said I should write it down when I said it in our presence, that we are at one and the same time, the children of the, of the oppressed, whose oppression we have inherited, and of our oppressors who have disinherited and dispossessed us. Mm -hmm. So, so, so our mind is conditioned both ways, mm -hmm. and there's a tension that happens. And it's one of the reasons why things like our folk forms are so important because it is in Kumina, it is in revival, it is in Rastafari, which is a religion. It's more than a folk form, but it is a form that has emerged from the 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 the, 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 the bodies of people and and our and our forms of popular music which which provide that same kind of spatiality which has updated or rendered contemporary the same messages that have been held in our traditional selves. It is that that is important in the way in which it continues to inform us that remember say remember say so you be you know remember that is who you are you know and that is the credit to the enslaved who even under pain of death found it important to embed um, in, in proverbs, in practice, in, in subversive and, 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 and. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, 
please subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review and even drop us a comment if something really stood out to you.